Welcome to Marketing Legends, a program within the WVU Marketing Communications Today podcast series. Marketing Legends features marketing thinkers, innovators, practitioners, and founders, legends of the marketing world, who join co-hosts Cindy Greenglass and Ruth Stevens to talk about their careers and share their wisdom with the marketers of today. Thank you for joining us. Cindy, distribution strategy may not have the sex appeal of some other areas of marketing, but it really couldn't be more important where our customers are, our prospects, and how will we get our product in front of them? Mm -hmm. Well, lucky enough, we have with us today, Dr. Lewis W. Stern, whom we know as Lou, Emeritus Professor at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Business, and the man who wrote the book, the first widely used textbook on channel strategy, published originally in 1977 and still in circulation with the next generation of authors. Now, Lou is, of course, retired now and playing tennis in Tucson, but he's generous enough to come on our show. And I'm thrilled um, that Lou has agreed to uh, be recognized on our Marketing Legends uh, episode here today and can't wait to hear what he has to say and share. Thank you, Ruth. Professor Stern, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you. Can I start by asking you, um, you started your career in um, economics. Uh, how and what made you decide to move from economics to marketing? Would you share that journey with us? Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's kind of fascinating to me to look back and ask myself the same question. Uh, it's uh, it's not been obvious uh, to me until I was asked by you uh, that kind of issue. Uh, in at Harvard, there are all sorts of different paths of economics, but the one I took was called industrial organization economics. And it's a big area within economics. It may not be econometrics or a number of the other kinds of fields, but it is the one that deals with industry. It deals with things like oligopolies, which is a great name, and uh, monopoly power and, and the way that industries are structured. And so in that area, there is a, a, a way of looking at distribution. Uh, you look at the automobile industry, for example, and you see how the automobile industry is structured. And then you look at who they market to, who do they go to market with? And they go to market with dealers. Mm. And so those dealers face off against those manufacturers of the automobiles. Mm. And in that process, there is a lot of give and take. There is a lot of power. There is a lot of conflict. Mm. And so that whole issue of how do firms work with one another to be able to market their products through some kind of third party 
who they don't own. Uh, many times they might own it, like uh, our friend uh, who just bought Twitter uh, owns the Elon Musk. System. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is that oftentimes it's a third party. So that part of it got me fascinated. Uh, there was also an aspect of it uh, written by a guy at Harvard, a professor by the name of Joseph Palamountain, who wrote a book called The Politics of Distribution. And it mm. dealt with all of these fights that go on between distributors and manufacturers. And mm. so that fascinated me. And then the final aspect of all of this is that not only did I major in economics at Harvard, but I minored in something called social relations. And say, well, what is social relations? Yeah, what is it? With marketing, right? And it, the way it has to do with marketing and distribution is that it's the study of social psychology, oh. cultural anthropology, and sociology. That's social relations. And what goes on between manufacturers and distributors is every bit social relations. Wow. So, you know, Lou, this is so relevant today because everything we are seeing come full circle. Uh, behavioral economics, behavioral science, um, what everything you're talking about is even more important today than maybe when it started um, back with you in Harvard. Um, so this is extremely relevant. The interesting thing about that, Cindy, is that when you talk about behavioral economics, uh, there are people who would say in marketing at Duke and at other universities that they were the first people to deal with behavioral economics because they were dealing with those issues that had to do with how do you get people to react the way that you want them to react. And that's really what behavioral economics is all about. So yeah. they and so it was stolen from marketing. <laughs> Rebranded, Re we might say. Yes. <laughs> well, we have this happen a lot to us marketers, don't we? <laughs> Indeed, yes. I Now, you have specialized in channel strategy once you kind of got into it and were influenced by these various uh, paths that you took at Harvard. But once you became an expert in channel strategy, what were some of the the th the theories or the the proposals or the thinking that you contributed to the field? Well, I think that the the main thing that uh, I did there were let's talk about two things. Uh, if you study distribution, there are two major questions. The first question is. How do I want to go to market? If I've got a product or I've got a service, how do I want to sell it? Do I want to use salespeople? Do I want to use uh, uh, Amazon? Do I want to go through Walmart? Do I want to have uh, wholesale distributors? Uh, what is it that I need to have in order to reach the marketplace that's going to consume my product? That big question. Yeah. The second big question 
is once I've set it up, once I've said, oh boy, I finally got Walmart to take on my product, which is no mean feat. Right. How do I manage that? How do I work with them effectively in order to make sure that my end users, the people that consume my product, because Walmart doesn't consume it, there's a consumer out there that buys it. Or if I'm building submarines, uh, I have to worry about that kind of issue with the United States Navy or whoever I'm selling it to. And that's all of these products, all of these services deal with those issues. Well, the okay. two issues are, how do I go to market? How do I structure my distribution? And then how do I manage it? And right. that's what I focused on. And the, if you look at that textbook, that, those are the two issues that are very, very much front and center. Now, obviously, I borrowed uh, great ideas from all sorts of folks to be able to think that through. My own contribution to it is that what I did was I brought a lot of behavioral science into distribution. And therefore, what I talked about in the managerial side of it is such things as power and conflict management and role relationships. And how do you get people to do something they would not otherwise have done? And that was a focus of mine. It was called interorganization management. Mm. How do you manage? the relationships among organizations. We always think about how do you manage employees or how do you manage your relationship with your wife or your husband or your partner? But in distribution, you have to learn how to manage your relationship with sometimes very large kahunas. <laughs> very large kahunas can plow you right under, like Amazon right. or others. Or Walmart, or oh. right, all of them. Sure, sure. Well, we have seen so much change um, and there's um, forever been a desire for manufacturers to go around the channel, right? So forever manufacturers have wanted to cut out the middleman and go direct to the consumer or the buyer and get rid of that, you know, annoying channel that comes between them and the end user. Um, you know, I just can't help but ask the question. You know, it's nirvana, right? Do you think this this is going to ever happen? Will we ever have a world with no middlemen? Well, what what is really fascinating, and it's a great question, Cindy. What is really fascinating is something called omni-channel, okay? Mm. I, don't, I don't like the term, but my co-authors have beaten me over the head and <laughs> I've got to use it, so I use it. But the fact is that no one today can afford not to have multiple channels of distribution. Why? Why is that the case? Because the consumer wants it because the end user wants it, because the person that is going out 
to buy your product, wants to be free, to buy it in whatever way he or she determines. And today it could be via the internet. Tomorrow it could be by walking into a store. The next day it could be by some other process uh, that has not even been invented yet. But the reality is when you say omnichannel, you say, I've got to deal with multiple channels of distribution, which immediately brings you into conflict because they don't necessarily get along very well with one another. I don't think that Walmart loves Amazon. I don't <laughs> no kidding. Is, but, uh, but patrimony there. Right. Hasn't it been interesting the rise of with e-commerce of this direct-to-consumer model that so many startups and entrepreneurs are pursuing? It reminds Cindy and me, both of whom, both of us having come out of the direct marketing world, of the catalog business, which was thriving in the um, in the post-war period, but now. DTC seems to have a life of its own and lots of consumers are really happy to buy through that channel. Amazon kind of always looking to squash it, but um, e-commerce websites uh, serving a single company, representing a single company seem to be thriving, no? Yes, I, I think it's just one of multitudes. Uh, the fact is that, that th there's a very big lesson that everybody has to adhere to if they're really gonna do a good job in distribution. That is number one, the consumer or customer is king. And what, who is that? That's the end user. That's the one that consumes the product. And again, as I said, it can be submarine makers or <laughs> it can be uh, people who are going out and buying uh, dresses or suits or whatever. And so what you have to do is as a manufacturer, as a purveyor of product, what you have to do is you have to be very much attuned to what it is that the consumer wants, how they want to shop, everybody shops. And so the question is, have you set the right system up so they can shop the way that they want. So if you look and you say, oh, one, this channel of distribution is really growing very, very well and very fast, the reality is that there are five or six other channels which are also operating. They may be declining, uh, just like uh, a lot of stores have gone out of business now because people don't want to do it. They want to go through via the internet, there is still an enormous amount of business that are done in stores. Whether True. it's declining or not declining, you can't just simply say, well, because you're declining, I'll ignore you. Right. That's ridiculous, okay? Yeah. So that the point is multiple channels of distribution, multiple managerial issues, right? Boy. Your, your head spins when you think of how difficult it must be to please every channel so that the consumer is pleased 
with the experience. And that's what distribution is all about. Terrific. Do you have some um, anecdotes, some favorite war stories that you could share with us about your career? I mean, I can't imagine um, how many you must have, but if you have some time, would you share a couple of them with us and our audience? Uh, I'll, get, I'll share one with you, which I, and then if you want more, if you can stand more, I will be glad to try to dredge up on this. But when I, uh, taught my classes, um, and particularly with executives, uh, I would uh, emphasize something that was very, very important. Uh, it was the fact that uh, what you wanted to make certain was that if you had fixed costs, which there are a lot of fixed costs in distribution, if you had fixed costs, you had to make sure that those fixed costs turned very rapidly, a great deal of turnover with respect to the fixed costs, that there was throughput, throughput uh, relative to those fixed costs. And I used to emphasize the fact that what if you really have a, a lot of fixed costs, uh, that the most, very important thing is if you want to please Wall Street, if you want to please uh, please the stock market, you've got to worry about return on a, on net assets. And the more assets you have, the more difficult it is to make a return on them. Right? Right. It's assets are fixed costs. So, RONA is mm -hmm. R O N A, return on net assets. RONA is also my wife's name. Yeah, that's right. I, I love Rona. And Wall Street loves Rona. I love my Rona more than Wall Street, okay? But the fact is that Rona is the critical issue. So what happens when, when an Amazon comes along? And here's this guy, Bezos. Nobody's heard of him. He starts building these warehouses, enormous enormous warehouses. What do warehouses represent? They represent- Fixed costs. Cost, right? And he's doing this with books. You know, no, nobody makes money on books and he's making <laughs> money on books with enormous warehouses, right? So what is he gonna do with Rona? He's gonna kill Rona. You can't kill Rona, Rona's my wife. Right? So you don't want to do that. The, the, the fact of the matter is that I stood up in front of classes, executive classes, and I said to them, he, he's got a big problem. He, he can't possibly please Wall Street. And you know what Bezos did? He didn't right. please Wall Street. He didn't give a damn about Wall Street. What he cared about was market share. What he cared about was volume. And he focused on volume, share, market share, getting enormous, enormous volumes in those warehouses. He has never had a great return on investment. He has never pleased 
Wall Street no end, except once he became totally dominant, they loved him, right? Uh -huh. His value went through the roof. And so wow. I end up in my classes and I would say, I don't think, I don't think Amazon's gonna make it. They, they're going to make it because Wall Street won't love them. Famous well, last words. He, famous <laughs> last words. That's right. He knocked them dead. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I really uh, appreciated uh, having the time to kind of expound. And uh, I haven't done that in a long time. Well, please do tell Rona we love her too and her economic counterpart. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lou, for joining us today. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Legends, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. The WVU Reed College of Media's online programs is honored to host these amazing guests who have helped make marketing what it is today. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to hear previous discussions, listen to the Marketing Horizon series, subscribe to receive updates, as well as learning more about the renowned WVU Marketing Communications online programs.